大家晚上好，这里是正在为您演讲的三位嘉宾。This is Merrick's Experts, a podcast that provides analysis of current affairs in China. Hello and welcome. I'm Ruth Kirchner. My guest today is Akio Takahara, professor for contemporary Chinese politics at the University of Tokyo, and for the past few weeks, visiting academic fellow at Merrick's here in Berlin. We are here to discuss China's foreign relations, the tensions with Japan, and China's increasingly assertive behavior in the South China Sea. But before we talk about regional issues, let's take a broader look at Xi Jinping's foreign policy. No other Chinese president before him seems to have traveled as extensively as him. Russia, South America, Africa, Europe, and most recently to the Middle East. Professor Takahara, what do you read into this clocking up of air miles by Xi Jinping? Well, I suppose Xi Jinping understands that a great part of his popularity comes from his exposure to the outside world and to show that China has become a great power and you know、uh, enhance the status of of the nation. You know, people often say that his anti-corruption campaign is what brings popularity to him. But、uh, you know, having lived in Beijing for some time、uh, rather recently, I would say that. Um, it's not really that, but rather the the enhancing st- status of China in the world that is bringing him popularity at home. He is trying to say China is back, is claiming a more prominent role on the international stage. But to what end exactly? Well, you know, for and foremost, of course, his concern is to maintain the power of the Chinese Communist Party domestically and、uh, maintain the stability. And the stable economic growth of his nation.、Uh, so I suppose that is the paramount、um, purpose of his、uh, whatever he he does.、Uh, but at the same time, of course, when we think in terms of external policy, he wants to、uh, expand the influence of China.、Uh, there's no doubt about that, and that would lead to an expansion of the economic markets and so on and so forth. This grand idea of the one belt, one one road idea, the sort of new Silk Road, would that all be sort of part and parcel of this sort of great scheme?、Uh, sure, sure. One belt, one road uh, initiative um, has the center position in all his、um, ideas about his external policies now. But you know the Chinese,、uh, as it were, sobering up now. You know, first they had euphoria when the United Kingdom decided to join the Asia Infrastructure Investment Bank,、uh, March 2015. But now they understand the difficulty、uh, in actually constructing a one belt.、Uh, that is, particularly in Central Asia, how can they come up with profitable projects? It's not an easy task. It, it's it's not an easy task, but most analysts would have told them beforehand that it's not an easy task. Well, you remember in 1997 or 1998、um, when the rail line、uh, connecting Kazakhstan and Xinjiang、um, passed through after many decades.、Uh, then there was some euphoria then that they'll build this land bridge、uh, b- between China and Europe. And、uh, we all know what happened. It, nothing really happened. So my guess is that this concept of one belt, one road is going to dissipate、uh, in a few years' time. Now people see that this is a pet project of Xi Jinping, and you have to write the magic term "one belt, one road" in all the project proposals、uh, if you wanted to get budgets.、Uh, so the domestic drive is also there. But people、uh, gradually will realize more
deeply that uh, the one belt is really a very tall task to be to be achieved. Not just in Central Asia, but in another region, uh, China is also uh, meeting a lot of obstacles, a lot of pushback, if you like. Um, I'm talking, of course, about the South China Sea. We have seen a very assertive China recently. Why do you think um, has China become so assertive in the South China Sea and to what end? I would say uh, the basic, very basic and primary factor is the increase in their national power. Uh, They are the people who believe in power. And once they have the power, what are they going to use the power for? Another basis is the patriotic education and the rise in nationalistic sentiments. The Chinese government, the party, had been preaching the people that uh, these islands in the East China Sea and the South China Sea belong to them. So from the people's point of view, well, that's what you say. And now that you have the capacity, why are you not using your power uh, to get something done? Do you actually think that it has paid off for China, for Beijing? Not at all. Not at all. Because for China, if you think about the long-term interests, uh, of course you have to uh, maintain and develop good relationship with your neighbors. And diplomatically, as a diplomatic policy, that's what they uh, say they aim for. Uh, But what they've been doing recently is shooting in their foot. Because quite obviously, it is antagonizing the neighboring nations uh, for very clear reasons. And the Chinese know that. But somehow they live with this contradiction that they say nice things, but they do these tough deeds at at the same time. Why are they doing things that they don't say? I mean, they they want to. Uh, I can think of about three reasons. Uh, One is uh, they are in this big power syndrome, as it were. They cannot objectively assess uh, what they're doing. Uh, One good example is Xi Jinping often says in his uh, talks that There is no uh, DNA to invade other people in the blood of the Chinese. Uh, Don't tell that to the Vietnamese. (laughs) And uh, there's this example of Zheng He, who was a great admiral in the early early 15th century, uh, who is now in China, a symbol of uh, peaceful maritime advancement. But if you go to Sri Lanka, to Ceylon, if you go to former... um, the kingdoms in Indonesia, what is Indonesia today, they will tell you that Zheng He was an invader. <laughs> so that kind of a big power syndrome that you cannot see oneself objectively, that's one uh, factor. And the other is, for instance, perhaps their long-term aim is to uh, become dominant in, in the region, uh, become a hegemon, as it were. But they have other policy purposes at the same time. They have to maintain good relationships. They have to develop their economy in order to do so. They have to have good relationships with their neighbors, particularly with with, with Japan. But they haven't set the priorities very clearly. This is Merrick's Experts. With me today is Professor Akio Takahara of the University of Tokyo, and we are discussing China's foreign relations under Xi Jinping. Turning to Japan, one of China's most difficult and complex relationships, um, relations between Tokyo and Beijing seem to have slightly improved recently. Right, Just a couple of years ago, tensions were running extremely high over the Sankaku or Diaoyu Islands and, and the air defense zone that China had declared in the East China Sea. Have these issues been put on the back burner? 
Yes,、um, that's the case since 2014. No change on the Japanese side,、uh, as far as our China policy is concerned. So it was the Chinese side. I can come up with about four reasons. The first one、uh, is military security, because there were two near miss incidents between military aircraft in May and June 2014 consecutively. And this is something that very worried、uh, both Abe and Xi Jinping. Second is economic, because China's economic downturn、uh, began to be felt very painfully in 2014. And、uh, Japanese investments that used to be so big、uh, in China was declining very rapidly. So Xi Jinping wanted to improve the political atmosphere so that the economic exchange can be recovered. And third is the international factor that is, the new type of major country relationship with the United States was not going anywhere. And a conventional diplomatic pattern of China is that whenever they have issues with the US, they'll turn to Japan and Germany for that matter. And also internally, they were seeing that their hardline policies against the neighbors were not bearing any fruit. And all these conditions, all these factors, I think, contributed to their change in policy towards Japan. And, and how is this seen on the Japanese side?、Um, is there a feeling that the、uh, Chinese, the Chinese government can be trusted with this sort of slightly softer, more cooperative approach? Well, of course,、um, once again, their words and deeds are different because they keep on sending their patrol boats into the territorial waters around the Senkaku three times a month. Recently, the、uh, patrol boat、um, began to be armed. So we are always very cautious about their deeds. So, one thing that we do is to enhance our hedging by reinforcing our ally,、uh, alliance with the United States. But at the same time, we all understand that our relationship is, with China is so important、uh, for Japan as well as for the region. And therefore, we try to engage uh, China uh, more. In, for example, now more tourists are coming from China to Japan. Five million came last year, only 2.4 million came two years ago. So, this is very good. After they come to Japan, they find out that what they hear and learn about Japan in China is propaganda.、Uh, so, we want more tourists to come over to Japan and see the reality because, after all, we, we cannot go to war. We cannot、um, you know, be bickering with each other all the time.、Uh, it doesn't help us,、uh, it doesn't help either side. And、uh, finally, let me ask you a more personal question and, uh, uh, because I want you to look into the future, into the famous crystal. Ball.、Um, China, five or ten years from now in East Asia, a gentle giant or a more assertive, aggressive dragon? We all want China to become a benign giant, but that's not happening at the moment.、Uh, but it depends on the effort on the part of all of us telling China that you are already a great nation. Uh, so, please understand the concern of your own people and the outside world that we all want you to act according to law. And we all understand that China is in the midst of modernization, in which people tend to be very nationalistic. It's a period of travail in which you have to decide what sort of modernization you're going to achieve. That is to say, how much Europe are you going to import into your society? And how much tradition are you going to, to retain? And it took a long time for the Japanese to be comfortable about the mixture of、uh, the blend between、uh, West and the、uh, East. And, and for China, for the Chinese, it's going to take a longer time. I'm pretty sure about that. 
Thank you, Professor Takahara. That was Akio Takahara, Professor for Contemporary Chinese Politics at the University of Tokyo. I'm Ruth Kirchner. Thanks for listening and bye for now. You have been listening to Merrick's Experts, a podcast from the Mercator Institute for China Studies in Berlin. Merrick's is one of the largest international think tanks for independent policy-oriented research on contemporary China.